When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up. Get your sorry ass up. Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. I ain't never seen, I ain't never seen you before, huh? Man, go tell the coach you need some help. We gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Matthew Burning, at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, though, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, Mr. Bob Lung, the award-winning fantasy football consistency guide and the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the most advanced stats in football, baseball, basketball, and college football. College football stats are extremely hard to find. For just $15 a year, you can look at all of these. I'm telling you guys, it is well worth it. If you like to dive into the analytical side of sports and or for I use it for prospects, college football prospects specifically, it is amazing. It goes down to the minutest of details in this stuff. And again, it's just $15 a year. If you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that, which is a steal of a deal, if I do say so myself, and probably the best deal in the industry. So definitely check them out, especially if you want to get a jump on the upcoming draft class. It'll be well worth your time and money. And it's Friday. We've got a, another great episode for you guys here on the roundtable. We're going to kick it off here with Mr. Matthew Fox, who's about to jump on with me. You can follow him at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. He's going to give us a preview of the XFL games we've got going on, two on Saturday and two on Sunday. Breakdown of the rules in the league altogether should be a lot of fun. Excited to hear that as we still technically have football, baby. After that, Dennis will be jumping on. You can follow him at culture underscore coaches. We are going to talk about our rookie quarterback rankings going pre-combine and draft for the 2020 NFL season. All right, and before we get Dennis on here to talk uh, about our rookie quarterbacks, I've got Matt here with me, and he's going to give us a breakdown of the XFL really quick as those first games do start this weekend. So, Matt, what's going on? How you doing? Well, we're coming out of the deep freeze here in uh, Colorado. This was our first day uh, this week where we got above 30. Uh, so, you know, ready for uh, some more football, you know. That was uh, my headline for uh, this for today, I, I previewed uh, the XFL a little bit for the Fantasy Life app blog, and I put, are you ready for some more football? Uh, because, <laughs> you know, usually this is the weekend where you start to feel bummed out 
You might actually have to do the chores that your wife gave you. You might actually have to clean out a closet. There's no more football games for a few months, but nope, the XFL stepping in, going to keep us in games on Saturdays and Sundays through April. Yeah, let's hope they're uh, good. We were just talking a little bit there uh, before we uh, started doing this. that obviously we're a little bit worried it might not last. We saw what happened with the AAF. I do think this one's probably going to be a little bit more well-funded and does look like they have a little bit of better structure in place compared to what was going on with the AAF. But uh, for for those of you who don't know, we, we don't always talk about it when we first brought you on. You you write and do a lot of the editing and, and pretty much managing all of this stuff for the NFL and everything for the FLA blog, and you did a big preview for them for the XFL, so I'm going to let you just take it away and kind of give us a breakdown of what you put in there uh, to give everybody kind of an idea of what they're looking forward to or what they need to look forward to with the XFL starting up this weekend. Yeah, well, I think, you know, this is the time when uh, us football diehards, you know, really start getting sad, you know, uh, maybe jumping into one to three dozen new dynasty drafts just to feel alive, you know, waiting for the combine, free agency, the NFL drafts, the end of April, then you can start getting ready for the season. Well, last year, the Alliance of American Football appeared. And, you know, was hoping to fill that kind of void offering competitive football uh, from the Sunday after the Super Bowl until early April. And, you know, I, I was excited about the prospect and uh, did a preview for that, kind of watched the opening week. And as soon as you started watching the games, it was like, this is not great. And then they were tough to find. The league didn't seem that organized and, of course, folded before it was over. So it's like, well, that was a nice thought. Now it's over. Well, flash forward a year, and we had the same thing for the XFL. And I almost felt like starting my piece with that meme from The Office where Michael Scott says, I'm ready to be hurt again. Uh, because I feel like it's <laughs> stepping into that same kind of void. And, you know, you have that same kind of hopes. But I, I, I focused a little bit on why I think the XFL might be different. It seems like Um, They picked up a lot of the ideas that maybe were things that were appealing about the AAF, which is some tweaks on the rules and some format and stuff, uh, which I'll get into in a minute. Um, But they're definitely seem better funded, you know, springing out of the WWE. Um, But this time, instead of being kind of like a sideline show, I feel like how it was when the XFL originally emerged. This one feels like they want it to be more focused on being a good football product. Oliver Luck is the CEO, um, Andrew Luck's father, um, and they have a lot of football people involved. Dean Blandino, who worked on NFL officiating, is kind of their rules guy who constructed some of these new rules. So they definitely have ties uh, to the league, and they have uh, some experienced players and coaches, which I'll go over in a minute. Like the AAF, they're going to launch with eight teams, uh, four in the West, which was the Seattle Dragons, Los Angeles Wildcats. Dallas Renegades and Houston Roughnecks. Uh, And then they're going to have four in the East, St. Louis Battlehawks, the D.C. Defenders, the New York Guardians, and the Tampa Bay Vipers. They're going to have four games each weekend, two on Saturday, um, one at two Eastern, one at five Eastern, and then two on Sunday, same times, two and five Eastern. But I feel like this is one area, too, where we've already seen an improvement. They have locked-in network contracts. Okay. Fox and ABC will each carry one game a week. ESPN and FS1 
will carry games as well. The last two weeks of the regular season, it's a 10-week regular season, they even have Thursday night football on Fox Wow. Okay. with, with the XFL. So it's going to feel, I think, so like this first weekend, you get Saturday and Sunday games on the network of Fox mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, Fox is all in with pro wrestling. That's, yeah. you know, they, they've been carrying a lot of that. So I think that was easy. And they made a deal with ABC and ESPN who will both each be carrying a game. And because of that, you know, ESPN has an XFL section. They have the schedule up. They're going to be posting, um, stats and stuff i think it's going to make it much easier to find for fantasy they're already established with dfs options on both FanDuel and DraftKings. they have an app already that i pulled down that actually works i mean there's a lot of signs there were things that the aaf said it was going to be able to do that didn't really pan out i thought it was hard to find games past that opening weekend where they did kind of a big launch on saturday night on cbs mm-hmm. this is not going to be that way the, they're carrying their AAF, you know, so four teams will make the playoffs. They'll have championship games on April 19th uh, that will be on the networks. And then the 26th of April will be the title game. So I think, I think those were all kind of some things that, uh, that gave me a little more confidence. This one might stick. Um, they've also done some interesting things with the rules. I ha- uh, if you want to read all of the rules, you can go to their website xfl.com they also have a great twitter handle that's very active and they have a great uh weekly podcast show handle that's active that's going to be giving you details i think obviously you can tell they're part of an organization that's much better at marketing you know when i was trying to preview the aaf last year it was like pulling teeth to find any actual information on anything (laughs) this one they lay it all out they make it easy to find. Um, they have videos explaining some of these rule changes. They have like uh, 15 or 20 rule changes. I'm just going to highlight a couple I thought were interesting. Um, they're taking player safety into account, but they also wanted to make the kickoff have some meaning. I think uh, for those of us who've been watching football with a lot of the changes, the kickoff is kind of, for the most part, been a wasted play. This one, they're doing something interesting. The return team, uh, all of the blockers line up on their 30-yard line. Uh, The returner is deep. All of the coverage team lines up opposite the blockers on the 35-yard line, five yards apart. And neither of those groups can move until the ball has been caught or has been on the ground for three seconds. Um, the idea being it'll eliminate the big collisions, which is the safety aspect that I think people worry about with kicks. Um, but it, they, everybody's all bunched up together and gives a chance for returns to set up. I, I don't know how great it's going to be. Some of these things you'll have to see how they play out. But I thought that was an interesting wrinkle. Um, another interesting wrinkle is the point after touchdown. There are no kicks allowed. Um, you can go for one, two, or three points by running a play from the two, the five, or the ten. If you turn the ball over and it's returned, the opposing team gets whatever amount of points you were trying for. So it's a fascinating situation. A one-score game is now a nine-point spread. You know, I thought that was interesting for strategy um, and for things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another huge change is overtime. Uh, overtime will be five rounds staged in a single play possession, as is customary in like NHL and MLS shootouts. Uh-huh. 
So basically each round gives each team a possession starting at the opponent's five-yard line, and the offense has one play to score. So you basically each team gets five plays to score touchdowns, and whoever ends with the most points after five rounds is the winner. Wow. Okay, that's, uh, that's actually kind of interesting. I like that. Yep. Uh, they've done some interesting things with timing. They have a 25-second play clock instead of the NFL, which is at 40. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a running clock outside of the two minutes uh, in each half. And inside of two minutes, they're kind of em- employing a hybrid of NFL and college rules. If a play uh, ends inbounds, the, b- the clock stops until the ball has been spotted and five seconds have run off the play clock. And if it goes out of bounds, it stops entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, you only get two timeouts per team per half and half times only going to be 10 minutes. So I thought that was interesting. And then one thing that they're doing that's similar to uh, what the AAF had is there will be a re- replay official. Um, there's no coaches challenges in the XFL. The replay official decides what they're going to review and reviews things. Okay. Gotcha. So I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, um, then the, the other part people are usually wanting to know is, you know, what kind of famous faces we're going to see. So, um, I was, I can go, you know, one team at a time. I basically highlighted a couple players and, uh, the coach. Um, so Dallas Renegades, their coach is Bob Stoops, uh, which is going to be pretty familiar to those who watched uh, the university of Oklahoma. Uh, and his quarterback is actually Landry Jones, who was a quarterback for him at Oklahoma and who yeah. also spent a few seasons with the Steelers. Um, other than that, they have a couple of famous running backs in Lance Dunbar, who was uh, a receiving back who was pretty good for a while for the Cowboys and cameras artist, Cameron artist Payne. Uh, who never really got much of a chance in Carolina. I'll be curious to see what he does here. Um, the, the D.C. defenders, are head coach is Pep Hamilton. He's never been a head coach, but he was an offensive coordinator at Stanford and at Michigan. He was also an offensive coordinator for the Colts, worked a lot with uh, Andrew Luck. So um, kind of interesting to see what he does. His quarterback is Cardale Jones. Uh, you oh, know, who didn't guy. do much as a pro, but big for Ohio State. I'm sure oh, you yeah. watched him quite a bit. Yeah, I'll be so rooting I for think, him. Yeah, and I think he said he's pretty excited to see, uh, you know, to see if he can get, get it going. Um, and his uh, one of his big receivers is Eli Rogers, who was a slot receiver for the Steelers. Had a couple of good seasons, kind of from 2016 to 18. Caught about 78 passes for 822 yards and four TDs. And one of the names that stood out for him, especially for me as a Broncos fan, is that they have safety Raheem Moore, um, who's probably most famous to Broncos fans for being the safety that was on the uh, poor end of Joe Flacco's bomb to beat uh, <laughs> Peyton Manning in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so not a name I was going to miss. Uh, the Houston Roughnecks, their coach is June Jones. Um, he was head coach for the Falcons for a while, but mostly known for head coaching in college. He was uh, with the University of Hawaii and SMU. Uh, he also coached uh, in the CFL a little bit. Uh, their quarterback is Connor Cook, um, who had a decent career at Michigan State, was drafted by the Raiders, but never really did anything in the NFL. Um, I was kind of excited. They have D'Angelo Henderson in the backfield, 
I loved him uh, when he was draft pick for Denver. Um, he also got picked up for the Jets. Never really did anything in the NFL, but he ran for 4,600-plus yards and 58 TDs at Coastal Carolina. He was yeah. fast and fun to watch. Um, and they also, this one will be near and dear to your heart, one of their big receivers is Sammy Coates. Oh, yeah, from the from the Steelers. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not, well, he was with the Browns for a season, too. Yeah. I don't even count that, I guess. I, I know more because of his, his run with the Steelers. But I, I like the D'Angelo Henderson call there really quick, though. He was a guy as well. I was uh, I had drafted uh, a bunch of rookie shares up. I was hoping he'd, he'd turn it out in Denver as well. So yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what I, he does here. I loved him. <clears throat> a lot of fans had wished he would make the team over Devontae Booker, but uh, narrowly missed. And then he went to the Jets for a season. So I'm curious to see you know, what he's got. Uh, the L.A. Wildcats, their coach is Winston Moss. Uh, he's another first-time head coach. He was a player for the Bucks, Raiders, and Seahawks. Um, he's a defensive coach. He most recently served as assistant head coach and linebacker coach for the Packers. Um, but they have the most probably NFL-experienced quarterback in Josh Johnson. Uh, Josh Johnson has played for a bunch of different teams. Yeah, uh, Bucks, Browns. Um, a couple of years ago, 2018, he started three games for the Redskins, threw for 590 and three TDs. Um, they also have veteran uh, NFL kicker Nick Novak on that roster. So, be interesting. Kicking is going to be interesting because kickoffs are going to be radically different. There's no extra points, so it's pretty much you just want a guy who's really good at field goals. So I'm curious what uh, what what kicking's going to do. Novak was definitely the most uh, familiar name I saw on these. Uh, the New York Guardians, their head coach is Kevin Gilbride. Um, he has some NFL head coaching for the Chargers. He was a 6-16, six and 16, not great there, but he's been better known as an offensive coordinator. He was actually the offensive coordinator for the Giants in 2007 when they beat the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. So I would wager that'll give him some cred there in New York. Um, they didn't have a ton of, uh, NFL names, but the guardians have quite a few people that played significant minutes for the AAF. Uh, Luis Perez, their quarterback was the starter for the Birmingham iron. Um, he was okay. He threw 1,460 yards, five TDs and six INTs and eight games for them. Um, they have another Arizona hotshots running back, Tim cook, um, who's their runner. An interesting player I thought on their roster is they have Joe Horn Jr., who is uh, the son of Joe Horn, the kind of famous receiver for the Saints. Right. Be yeah. curious to see what he can do. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> St. Louis Battlehawks, uh, their coach is Jonathan Hayes, who is a tight end um, for the Chiefs and the Steelers as a player, uh, moved into coaching. He was a tight end coach for Oklahoma for a while. But his professional coaching experience is pretty much uh, limited to being the tight end coach for Marvin Lewis and the Bengals from 2003 to 2018. So he did it for a long time. Um, I don't know exactly what to make of that. He's never been a head coach, so we'll see. They have a couple of interesting NFL uh, connections. Tyler uh, Taylor Heineke is their quarterback. Um, he actually started a, game, uh, a couple of starts for Carolina in 2018. Um, wasn't great there, but they have Matt Jones, 
um, who actually had a couple decent seasons for the Redskins. Uh, he ran for 950 yards and six TDs uh, in 2015 and 16 with the Redskins. And they also have Kristen Michael, um, who's played for a bunch of different teams, mostly Seattle. Um, he's run for over 1,000 yards in his career with the NFL. So I thought they had some interesting veterans. And they also have, as their punter, Marquette King. Um, so for all of us wondering where Marquette King was going to land, apparently – uh, XFL in St. Louis might be the perfect kind of league for him too, with his antics that he used to have uh, on social media and everything, and and on the field really as well. Yeah, I, I thought it would bring some flair. I thought it could be fun. Um, the Seattle Dragons head coach is Jim Zorn, who uh, he had one stint in the NFL as a head coach for the Redskins. Uh, obviously, was an NFL player for a lot of years and has been. Uh, a quarterback coach for a long time in the NFL, most recently with the Chiefs uh, in 2011 and 12. Um, he, there was another roster where uh, it was mostly guys I recognized from the AAF, including their quarterback, Brandon Silvers. Um, he was, he played for the Memphis Express in the AAF and only threw for 799 yards and four TDs. It's not much of a sample. Um, it was interesting. Kenneth Farrow was one of the guys I remember being a high draft pick in the AAF fantasy drafts. He's a high draft pick again playing for Seattle. And it was interesting. Seattle uh, actually has uh, both their running backs uh, that I saw on their roster, Kenneth Farrow and Trey Williams, played together in, AA, in the AAF for San Antonio. So kind of interesting to see nice. uh, those teammates back together. And then the last one, the Tampa Bay Vipers, their uh, head coach is Mark Tressman, um, which probably gives Chicago Bear and Jay Cutler uh, enthusiasts nightmares. Uh, but he was actually an incredibly successful coach in the CFL. Um, prior to his time with the Bears, he, he was coached for the Montreal Alouettes, and they won two Grey Cups during his five years. And after his time in the NFL, he went back to the CFL with Toronto, he was with them for two years and actually won a third Grey Cup. So kind of interesting. His quarterback's going to be Aaron Murray, um, who uh, you know was with Kansas City at one point, but was pretty well known from the AAF for being one of the quarterbacks who got benched. Uh, he was a quarterback for the Atlanta Legends last year. He threw for uh, just over 1,000 yards and three touchdowns, but seven interceptions. So hopefully they got to be hoping he does a little bit better. Um, they were another team that had a lot of guys from the AAFs, Shantavius Jones, um, who had been on, uh, who had been one of his teammates in Atlanta, is there Reese Horn, who was with the Memphis Express, and then Devon Smith, who was actually one of the big running backs for the Orlando Apollos, which mm -hmm. was the only undefeated team in the AAF. So. You know, seeing a lot of these guys, it's kind of nice to see some of them getting second chances to try to get going, um, you know, whether they came out of the NFL or the AAF system. Um, not, you know, it'll be interesting. They have a lot of first-time coaches. Uh, this weekend really kicks off on uh, on Saturday. The first game is at 2 Eastern on ABC. It's going to be uh, Seattle versus D.C., and then at 5 Eastern on Fox will be L.A. at Houston. On Sunday, uh, Tampa Bay at New York will be at 2 Eastern on Fox. And then the final game of the weekend is 5 p.m. 
Eastern on ESPN with St. Louis and Dallas. So a lot of national coverage for those of us that, you know, are hoping to see some football and something interesting. It's kind of nice to have all those slots. Yeah, it. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm excited to to watch it, see how that works out. Like I said I, I watched the AAF for like the first couple weeks, and maybe maybe the rule changes with the XFL keep it a little bit more interesting. I do feel like they've got a lot more. I should say well known names compared to what we saw from the AAF. Uh, I actually did listen to an interview. I want to say it was on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, by, uh, my goodness, I just forgot his name, uh, the commissioner, Andrew Luck's father. Oh, Oliver Luck. Oliver Luck. Uh, and he was talking about how that, that was what they wanted to do. They went out and purposely tried to get guys who just missed making the NFL 53-man roster because those are still really good players. Like It's very hard to make a 53-man roster for the NFL. And so uh, that, those were the guys that kind of went out and targeted. And clearly they have a lot of uh, really good players. I'm going to be interested to see how well this works out. Um, there is one interesting story that I heard um, him talk about as well on there that if this is successful uh, after this year, uh, might be something that, that dips into the college levels. And that is they actually do have one player, I believe he's on the St. Louis Battlehawks as a defensive player, uh, that still has college eligibility. He uh, came into some stuff off the field and got uh, not necessarily kicked off the team, but uh, was released out of his scholarship and everything on the team. And so he actually should still be in college, and they are letting him come here and, and play in the XFL sort of like a combine and pre-workout stuff before he uh, he is technically allowed to be drafted. And this ends, I believe, the week before the draft is what you said, correct, is the championship game? The championship game is April 26th. I couldn't remember exactly when the NFL draft is. Uh, it's usually that last weekend of April, so I would assume it's So it might be the three May- days preceding yeah. the Super Bowl. Yeah, I would think that it's going to be uh, – so April 26th, I would think that's the Sunday, the week of the draft. So I would think the draft's probably going to be on April 30th. It's usually because uh, I know it always goes into May. Like it's always one of those uh, – Things were like the last day is on like May 1st or 2nd. So I would imagine the draft's going to start on April 30th, that Thursday night. Yeah, so that's – yeah, so it's probably – it's it's either the the three days preceding or it's the Thursday after. I mean, I thought it made some good sense to me, the timing. <clears throat> I mean, you have free agency period that will fire up for the NFL in March, and at some point they'll have combines and stuff. But that's really kind of a – in the past, it's been kind of a dead period for NFL fans, uh, you know, in terms of having a lot of action and, and stuff to think about. You really get going kind of after the draft, and then you start having rookie camps and mini camps, and it feels like the season is actually progressing. So if this can fill that void, you know, I kind of like the idea of having some football. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like I said, I'm I'm really interested to watch it this weekend, and and like some of it is kind of having to do with the with the rule changes. Because I also wonder if if some of these work out as well as as they might with this league. If if the NFL might end up adopting some. There's one uh, I didn't I didn't hear if you had said it. Did you talk about the uh, the there's no onside kicks either? Yeah, because uh, the kickoff. Um Basically, what it says for their kickoff rule is uh, neither team, the coverage and return blockers are not allowed to start moving until the ball has been caught or been on the ground for three seconds or more. So that would kind of negate 
Yeah, the yeah. Well, I was gonna, I brought it up because I believe the the play is it's like an untimed down. It's like a fourth and fifteen play, and if they complete it, they get the ball. Uh, if they don't, the the obviously the other team gets it. So I thought I thought that's kind of interesting because we've obviously heard in the NFL for years now them talking about eliminating the kickoff because they say it's it's kind of like the most dangerous play in the NFL because of, of all those players getting full speed and kind of running right at each other they've already changed a lot of rules when it comes to the kickoff since you know I, I've since I've been watching football especially in the past couple of years so that's going to be interesting as well uh, but yeah another I mean, uh, interesting thing that I thought is they will allow a double forward pass. As long as the ball I, I hasn't passed that. the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see if that goes in there. Because, I mean, you do have some guys that you were talking about that, I, like Bob Stoops, he's he's obviously a, a defensive head coach, but he is well known for kind of like revolutionizing that uh, high, high-flying high offense that they had at Oklahoma before Lincoln Riley came. So I'm really interested to see how this turns out. Like I said, I, I feel like as much as I hate to say this, because I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't think anybody wanted the AAF to fold, uh, but I, I really am kind of interested to see how that works out this weekend. I will be tuning in uh, and just saying I'm actually going to uh, the Dallas Renegades game against the New York Guardians on March 9th here in Texas. We, me, and a bunch of uh, people. There's about 12 of us going. We all got tickets already, so we're going to be going to a game uh, to see in person. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm really interested to see how. This works out. Uh, I, I forgot to mention at the beginning. So oh, go ahead. I just looked it up. If a team wishes to run an onside kick, it must indicate this to the official before the play, and the two teams will be permitted to line up using a traditional NFL rule, oh, ten okay. yards apart. There will be no surprise onside kicks. So they didn't. They aren't using that um, that special play. I believe, though, John Elway had had proposed doing that in the NFL and it's going to the competition and rules committee this off season. Interesting. Yeah. I knew, I knew that they, I didn't know it was Elway that proposed it. I knew that was proposed in the NFL and yeah. I thought that XFL was going to do it. And so I, I guess not, uh, I would have yeah, had to double cool to check. See, I, you can actually see all their rules at XFL.com backslash rules. And it has videos and a sum- summary. They have about, 15 uh, kind of special things. I just highlighted gotcha. ones that grabbed my attention. But, um, yeah, it looks like they're going to do traditional onside kicks, which feel like they've been kind of a waste in the actual NFL. So I don't know yeah. how much better they'd be here. Well, that's funny. I was actually telling somebody about that the other day, and then uh, they reminded me that uh, I can't remember what week it was, but there was like one week in the NFL where like three onside kicks were recovered in in that weekend. I know Atlanta, I think, got like two of them in that one game. <laughs> so I mean, you we say that, and then all of a sudden we're reminded that actually they were pretty successful at least this year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm excited. Uh, something we forgot to mention, I forgot to mention in the beginning, uh, we're, we we didn't want to take a, a big fantasy perspective to it this week because we're obviously, uh, as you brought up, uh, a lot of people got invested into the AAF and then it folded not even fully, fully through the season. Uh, so we're going to watch games this weekend, see you know how some players do, what the games look like. And then every Thursday uh, when we do the episodes with you and uh, Tony, we didn't do one this week because uh, we're, we're planning some special episodes. If you follow me on Twitter, you saw what I posted out there. Uh, but every Thursday when you and Tony jump on with me, we're going to give some DFS lineups. But we're just going to kind of take one week to see how it looks and, and the way everything plays out before we want to dive too.
two in and get too involved in it. Uh, but if it does look good and we like the way everything's going, we'll definitely do some DFS lineups. And you were saying that uh, there's a couple sites that you can already go to DFS and, and set lineups for? <clears throat> yeah, they. it's uh, a regular option to select on both FanDuel and DraftKings, uh, which kind of makes it great. You know, If you remember, um, those of you that tried to really get into fantasy with AAF, it was really hard to find sites where it was supported because there just wasn't enough info out there. So DFS looks like it's going to be a great option this first season. I would wager if they're successful and they continue, you'll see platforms, especially since they're a partner with ESPN, will add season-long. From what I've been able to gather from those that have publicly attempted season-long at this point, it's been a lot of guessing, and I think it's going to be a lot of manual uh, tabulation. I feel like, you know, like with anything new, you want to see how it goes, how games go, get a feel for the people and the teams um, playing DFS just knowing you can play it in your regular outlets, uh, you know, if you're playing FanDuel or DraftKings throughout the season, I think is a great option for fans. Yeah, and I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Matt, obviously, thank you. Uh, thank you for taking about 30 minutes out of your uh, day here to kind of run through this with me really quick. Uh, as uh, so we didn't have our, our regular Thursday episode uh, for this week. Uh, so you taking time out of your day to jump on and, and give the fans a little bit of a preview of the XFL before it kicks off this weekend. Yep, anytime and go football. Side of the field, intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25. And Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua, stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown! Touchdown, Alabama! Devontae Smith, touchdown, Alabama! And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, and he's off to the races, nobody will catch him! <laughs> 93 yards for the freshman! He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry, he'll add to that! Goodbye, touchdown Ohio State. From 52 yards. And 
And as you just heard there, that was uh, the rest of the XFL preview there with Mr. Matthew Fox. Now, we've got Dennis jumping on with me, as I mentioned earlier. We are going to go over our very early rookie quarterback rankings. Uh, I, I don't, for me at least, I'll let Dennis kind of explain his uh, here in just a second. Uh, for me, they will not change much, but I guess I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I guess before we start talking about our picks, we should see how Dennis is doing. Dennis. How you doing? How's everything been since Monday, the last time we spoke? Man, I got five days of work behind me instead of in front of me, so that's a fantastic thing. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with you. This week has just felt like it has dragged on to me. I am excited for this two-day weekend to go entirely way too quick and already be back on the grind again on Monday. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 been a, a long week. Looking forward to the XFL games, though. Uh, are you going to try and watch any of them this weekend? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll try and sneak him in and and see. I finally got that godforsaken duck coop finished, and <laughs> so I don't. I've got that checked off my list. Uh, we got a couple things planned for Sunday for family, but uh, I'll, I'll be squeezing it in here and there. I want to see if I can k- check out some Cardale Jones. Yes. See if he's going to make it back to the big league there. Yeah, that's who I told Matt. I was really excited about watching. He uh. Obviously, uh, we, we did the interview a, bit, a little bit earlier. He uh, he did a whole preview for the FLA blog, so I had him jump on here, told him uh, we'll obviously break the games down on Monday and then start attacking it more of a fantasy perspective, but I kind of want to see how the games turn out. I, I really hope this doesn't end up being like another AAF situation because I would love for, for there to be another league. It was funny. I was, uh, I was telling him, too, I've been... I've been telling my wife for like weeks now that this was finally going to be the week that we could relax and I have to worry about football or anything anymore because I completely forgot the XFL was about to come on. And now all of a sudden here we are again on the weekends. I'm like, yeah, I guess some football games I got to watch. But it's for work, honey. It's yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I always tell her. And then she usually slaps me and is like, yeah, well, you're about to lose your wife because of work. I'm like, ah, what's more important? Usually football is like weighing just a little bit higher. I just don't let her see that. But I'm just, I'm just kidding, right obviously. On. But uh, all right, so as I mentioned, in the beginning we are going to talk about our rookie quarterbacks now last year we kind of did a whole bunch of pre-combine after combine pre-draft all that stuff i don't think the combine matters as much i don't think you do either i know we've we've also we've we've often referred to it as the underwear olympics especially when we've had guys like jared on last year who i'm hoping we can get back on again this year uh but the combine is not going to change much for me rookie ranking wise the the thing that will affect it most is obviously draft draft position draft stock uh will possibly move guys here or there so i figured let's let's start focusing on these guys now get them out of the way before the combine comes and then if someone at surprises us at the combine we can talk about them after the fact you know you and jared were both on debo and preston williams before the combine last year preston williams i know didn't get invited uh but debo did some stuff they both did stuff at their pro days that kind of jumped them up the board so those were names that you heard here first i want to start doing and focusing more on that through this offseason instead of looking back like we did last year so for you does the combine or anything we're going to see pro day wise and everything going to change any of these rankings for you right now or do you think it's mostly going to be the draft that could shift the narrative on some of these guys? Well, I, I think you have to look at the whole thing as one long process from the end of the season through the draft. And so the combine does have some impact. You want to see how guys handle the pressure there and do they execute the things that they need to? Do they look the part? I, I know sometimes, you know, the quote-unquote underwear Olympics, oh, it's about the looks. Well, you know, there are guys, when they get off the bus, 
you can look at him and, and go, that guy looks like a player. Now there are guys that get off the bus and you go, oh, that guy looks like a player. And, and it's the old, uh, you know, look like Tarzan, play like Jane kind of approach. <laughs> but I, I sort of, the thing for me now is I'm starting to do the homework. My I, I expect my ranks will change. Like before we got on here right now, I, I was looking at some Cole McDonald film in the mm. Dynasty Nerds film room. And because I, I kind of my initial reaction of him is I, I've got him probably higher than most. And so now I'm starting to go through that process and figure out. Is that really where he should be? You know, do I need to have him over these other quarterbacks? Um, where where am I where am I going with this? So it's it it becomes part of the process, and as we get more and more educated throughout this process, that probably has an effect on the uh, on my rankings more so than just watching at the combine. Now it isn't. Always, it doesn't always look like that because the combine is something we look at and we pay attention, but we're doing homework all the way up, yeah. all the way up to that, and we're adjusting our rankings. And so, depending on when you talk to us and when show, like I, you know, you've got Nate Stanley substantially higher than me. I haven't, other than watching Iowa play in the Big Ten, I haven't really uh, done much homework on him yet. You know, and McDonald is that guy for me, so. We'll kind of keep working through the process. Is it the combine? No, but it's a it's a part of it. Oh yeah, you have to take that into it. Who are the teams talking to while they're at the combine? Which players are getting the interviews? Um, and there's a certain amount of subterfuge there uh, with the interviews and all of that as well. But it's it, it's definitely uh, you know it's part of the process, and you gotta play along and and learn how to to quiet the noise and figure out what the real real things are. I think probably the biggest thing about the combine is that we get the quote unquote true size. Mm-hmm. Now I know people will put on weight and bulk up or they'll cut weight to get down so they can get a better speed time, but we do get a pretty true feel for how tall, how heavy, how big the hands are, uh things like that. Uh, from the combine and and those things are important yeah that um what i say mean by uh or what i mean when i say it's not going to change much for me is i just i don't think anything these guys do uh when they go out there and throw i'll be interested to see how many guys actually go out there and throw i i I have the list up here i haven't gone through to see what quarterbacks exactly have gone in there but you know some guys go out there and decide they're not going to throw here they're going to throw at their pro day what they're for like I'm going to be honest, the 40 doesn't matter to me. Like, it's going to be cool to see who runs the fastest. I, I would imagine Rager is, is going to be the fastest guy there. It's going to be fun to see that stuff. You know, I'm going to be honest, uh, last year, how fast Paris Campbell ran, how fast Andy Isabella ran, it, it, it mattered to me a little bit more in my rankings than it probably should have. And then obviously, the you know, Paris Campbell, when we talked about it earlier uh, in our rookie recap episode, we went back and talked about our rookie ranks from last year, uh, the the speed and everything he he did and the way he played at Ohio State and then landing there in Indianapolis pushed him more up my board than it should have. And I feel like that's one of the lessons I learned from last year was take what I've noticed this whole time. Like, you're right, it's still part of the process. You have to take it into account. But 
I've done all my homework on these guys all year long, watching tape, doing all the stuff, everything I've had to do for the Dynasty Nerds now this past season, and that matters more. The college tape, in my opinion, matters more than anything they do at the Combine. The Combine is a part of the process. You have to put it in, as you said. There, there's no doubt about that, but I, I, for me, I can't let it affect my rankings, I feel like, as much as it did last year because it would have, I think, if I had left Campbell back around six or seven, would have looked better than, obviously, three in my rankings last year, and I could have gotten him lower in some drafts where I know uh, I don't remember which league we were in together but we were in one where like I think I took Paris Campbell at like the three spot and that was obviously a huge overdraft at least right now Uh, so I'm gonna try not to read too much into it we're about 20 days away from it I think so I'll still be watching it I'm excited to see everybody that's going to be there and all the stuff, but I'm not going to to read too much into it as uh, this year, at least trying not to, as I have in the past years. It's kind of like the end-all, be-all, this is a big deal kind of thing. So I want to kick this off here with uh, you giving me your... I was trying to uh, quickly pull that up. So you have uh, 10 guys ranked, correct? Yep. All right, why don't you give me your top... You're 10 through 6 really quick because I feel like, nah, there's a lot of guys we really need to talk about. Let's just go uh, one and one really quick. I'll, I'll start first since I have 11 uh, just to kind of give you guys, although he probably was not someone I should have. I'm I'm not fully done doing my some my homework on him, so I'm going to pass. But it's Virginia's Perkins. I, oh, I'm no. still backpedaling now. No, no, not backpedaling. I, just, I haven't done everything on him. I don't think, I'll be honest, when I when I on my rankings here, I think my eight through eleven are probably backups in in the NFL. I I don't think I don't see any fantasy value for them. And the only reason I say uh, my nine, ten, eleven is because eight is interesting to me. I I don't think he's going to make it in the NFL, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Uh, we both have him right around the same spot, so that's why I don't want to skip too far over him. So he's a guy that I project to be an NFL backup. So I, I don't expect much from him, and I'll just go with my next guy too, uh, and that's Steven Montez out of uh, Colorado. It's the same thing. He's got he's got the ideal NFL size. He's got I mean he throws a very beautiful ball. If anybody watched the Senior Bowl games you, or any of the practices, you saw that. Any watched any of the Colorado highlights, he he throws a very beautiful ball. Can throw it deep, uh, really good mobility, and and he's shown good anticipation. My problem with his game is uh, he's very skittish and, and very much. Uh, my, my comparison would be Baker Mayfield uh, this last year, where even if the pressure's not coming, he it's almost like he sees the ghost and and he starts moving around when he doesn't need to. Uh, he throws the ball short a lot, and I feel that that's a problem. If you throw it past people, you at least give your wide receivers a chance to go get it. Throwing it short, they don't really. They, there's not much they can do. Bad mechanics in his lower half. He throws off his back foot a lot. Tries to, it's just kind of like throws on the move, sidearms it, and he's not very good at that. Uh, and he did struggle at making reads at times. Uh, forgot to mention, 6'5", 230, 63% completion last year with uh, 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. So I, I imagine he's going to be more of an NFL backup than an actual starting quarterback, but he was a guy that did get a lot of uh, good – uh, good rep coming out of and good hype coming out of the senior bowl game. So I didn't want to throw him on my list, but I don't see much of him in uh, being an NFL starter. Uh, so who do you have at 10? Uh, 10, I have uh, your number nine, Mr. Anthony Gordon. Um, it's, you know, I agree with you that there's, but I feel like probably five through 
Infinity are backups. Uh, I, I don't see, you know, there's no sixth round Tom Brady in here. Uh, I, I think Gordon is going to get a little bit of a bump. Uh, he's going to, he's sort of going to get that, uh, the Gardner Minshew aura rubbing off on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was a one year starter <clears throat> in a very, uh, very highly productive passing offense, completed 71% of his passes. Um, 48 to 16 touchdown to interception ratio last year. But it was that uh, Mike Leach offense up there at Washington State. And I think that Minshew coming into the, to the league last year and performing like he did is going to make some teams go, you know, may, maybe there's something there. If he, if he can do well with the interviews – if he gets up on the whiteboard and he shows that he understands things, then people, then Gordon is going to end up in a camp. He could be a fourth or a fifth round pick for a team looking for a de- developmental quarterback. Um, and, and so I, I kind of have him at 10. Yeah, and I, as you mentioned, I have him at 9. Uh, the notes I have on him, uh, 6'3", 210, uh, had a 71.6% completion percentage last year. 48 touchdowns, so uh, he would have won the Davy O'Brien Award had Joe Burrow not come and had like one of the greatest college seasons we've ever seen. Uh, 16 touchdowns or 16 interceptions, strong arm, probably the best cannon in this class. Good athleticism, can rip it and zip it as I put. Uh, does a really good job going through his progressions as well, which I kind of like. You will see as as I talk about a lot of these other guys, they tend to lock onto one read and, and they don't really get past their second. Uh, where where if you watch some of the games for Gordon. He'll, he'll go one, two, three, check down, one, two, three, tight end. Like he's, he does a very good job of that. Uh, my biggest fear with him is. Well, well he, he threw almost 700 yeah. passes oh, last I know. year. That's, so he's definitely getting the reps. That, that, that's what I was about to get to. He threw, uh, for, for starters, really good offensive line. Uh, not a lot of great pass rushers as well in the Pac 12. So he didn't face a lot of pressures. Uh, from the games that I watched, and he also played in the most air raid of air raid offenses, as Dennis just mentioned. Uh, so. His, stat, his stats are skewed a little bit. as he, he Over 600 times, I believe the next closest person was 400-something. Like, it was ridiculous. But that is Mike Leach's offense, and, and we have seen some of that translate to the NFL. I just don't think that he will, like, like you put it. And he is as well as a backup for me. I, I do think he uh, – I think you were just saying – He's going to get that Gardner Minshew shine. And a lot of people are already comparing him to him. Both came from Washington State. Both put up similar type numbers. And I wouldn't be surprised if it, if he gets drafted by a team and a quarterback goes down that he does the same thing as you were just saying. Come in, play a couple good games, and, and give you like that Gardner Minshew vibes. But I don't think he has the ability to be a starting quarterback. I do know that we, it seems like as of late, especially again, senior bowl hype are, are kind of on the – the reverse side of that now, there seem to be a lot of people that are really falling in love with Gordon after what they saw out of the Senior Bowl. Uh, and I, I just, I can't. I'm not going to take that one game uh, and, and the one week of practice. I know it was a great week of practice from everything I heard, but I, I'm not sold on him being being an NFL guy. Uh, so that is my nine. Who is uh, your nine? And then give me your eight as well. My nine is Montez. Okay. Um, as, I, as we've kind of talked through this, you know, I think Montez and Gordon are both pretty similar, but they do different things. You know, uh, Gordon doesn't have, you know, or, or Montez, excuse me, 
Uh, doesn't have the super high completion percentage. He's got the two to one uh, touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, a little bit of running, but not a ton. So he, he's he's another Pac-12 passer. Uh, he's got a he's got an acceptable completion percentage at sixty-two point four for his career, but he just doesn't. He he never really jumped off the page and and showed he, he never really looked like i am the one who is gonna lead this team take everything over uh, uh yeah he was he was a three-year starter but there was there was never that you didn't hold him in you weren't talking about him as the the best quarterback in the pac-12 you didn't talk yeah. about him like that he was a good quarterback so the but there was always Herbert or somebody more that that really got people excited. Montez isn't isn't an exciting guy, you know. He's a he's a reliable guy, like you said, close to the line of scrimmage, gonna complete his passes, uh, take his checkdowns. You know, gonna be a. I, I expect he'll be a career backup kind of guy. Yeah. Now, who was uh, who'd you have at your eight? I'm trying to remember. I just had uh, was looking at something, so I'm I'm surprised by your eight because I obviously have him much higher. So I'm interested to hear why you have him as low as you do. Well, you know the the back half of the top ten here is kind of a you know let's figure out what's what they really are. Mm-hmm. You know he's a he's a big guy. Jacob Eason is. Um, Lost the job at Georgia and ended up transferring. Um, last year he had a decent completion percentage, but the two years previous to that he was below sixty percent. Uh, you know, he he just to me doesn't he's he's not a super accurate quarterback, and he doesn't really give me any reason to. He's not going to gain you any yards in the ground game. At 6'5", he might fall forward for a yard. Uh, But he's not not a dual threat by uh, any stretch of the imagination. And so he's just kind of – he's a guy i got to do more work on. But the initial impression I get is he's just a a big guy that can throw the ball a little bit but uh, uh, isn't terribly accurate with it. He's he's like – you know, Josh Allen without the athleticism and uh, playmaking ability. All right. I don't hate that comp. Uh, I mean, he does have the big arm. And that's, in all honesty, why a lot of people have uh, fallen in love with him. I'll kind of give you my breakdown of him when we get to him on my list. He, he's obviously a lot higher than me, so I have a little bit different of opinion on, on you than him. But you are not wrong with a lot of the, the things you just said about the fact. For those of you who don't know, he actually has negative rushing yards in his college career because he is really just not that mobile. He might lose to a uh, a race against my, you know, 88-year-old grandmother. It's He's not fast, but he does have a big and live arm. Uh, for me at eight, it might be a little bit controversial for a lot of people, but uh, it's Jalen Hurts. I'm just, I, I'm not that bought into him being a really good NFL quarterback. 6 2 2 18. I think these stats are extremely misleading, but uh, 69.7% completion percentage last year and 32 touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's because he was doing so much running, and a lot of what he does was close to the line of scrimmage because I I say that was a lot to do with Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley is a great head coach, a great offensive play caller, and he played to Jalen Hurts' strengths. Uh, Obviously, incredible athlete, great runner. 
And he actually does. He really has good accuracy within the short and intermediate areas. Uh, he can throw deep, but just it's not always that accurate. Does have some pretty good arm strength, though. So he can get the ball there. It's just not always that accurate. Uh, my weaknesses that I had on him is he's never had to make any adjustments at the line of scrimmage. He, he pretty much knows the play. As soon as Lincoln Riley and them either send it in or put it up on the play cards, uh, they don't really audible or make any changes, which is going to be a big deal going into the NFL. Uh, I think he bailed out of the pocket too many times as well to run the ball, which you can understand with the, with the, uh, with the ability that he had with his legs. He's a phenomenal runner. Uh, so what, what I was going to say on him is I think, uh, and I'm sure you've seen it too, a lot of people are comparing him to Lamar Jackson because they have somewhat similar body types. I mean, he's a little bit thicker than Lamar, uh, but the running and the throwing. The one thing I would say, and it, it hurts me to say this because I really don't like to prop up Lamar on this podcast at all, but Lamar was a little bit better thrower, a little bit more accurate than Jalen Hurts. Uh, and I just I don't know if Hertz can improve on that going into the NFL. I, I think the only way Hertz will be successful is if he ends up landing on a team that does for him what Baltimore did for Lamar and completely buy into him and his skill set and build their offense around him. If they do that, I do think Hertz will have a chance to be successful in the NFL. I don't think he's going to be Lamar Jackson, uh, but I could see him being a low-end QB too. Uh, but I do think that's also asking a lot for an NFL team to do. I don't think uh, that they will do that. I know you have Hertz pretty close to me, uh, so he was my eight. Who is your? Uh, you already gave me your eight. So who is your seven? My seven is Hertz, and and I agree with you. Uh, I probably he he may end up moving up a spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not buying into him as an NFL quarterback, but I do buy into him as a as a leader. And oh, yeah, I think I that. that's the kind of guy that gets drafted fifth round, gets on a team, uh, makes enough plays as a backup to have a ten year career, and. If he goes somewhere, it, you know, ideally to me, I think Hertz goes to Baltimore and becomes Lamar's backup. That would be because very interesting. He does a lot of the same things. And if he can, you know, he, he's not as dynamic a runner. He's more power, a more powerful runner, yeah. but he's not as dynamic a runner. Um, he's not as good a passer, but he, he can run the offense like, uh, Baltimore does. But the concern for me, just like you, is can he adjust to the play uh, when he when he's not? Can he adjust to the right play when he's not looking at the sideline, getting it read to him on a sign? You know, there's there's not a lot of billboards in the NFL, so yeah. he he's he's going to have to go out there and he's going to have to look at that defense and he has to make the decision: Am I in the right play or do I need to change that play? Um, I, I, I'm not sold on him. I, I think that he's a, again, he's another career backup. Yeah, so for me at seven, I have Jake Fromm. Um, he, he starts my list of guys that I think uh, are can be NFL starter worthy. And I, I said I would put Hurts there if a team buys all in and does for him what they did with Lamar. Uh, outside of that, if they just bring him in and kind of do the – you know, square peg, round hole thing, I don't think it's going to work out for them at all. So I'm still on the fence with Hurts. Uh, I think 
for me, out of this entire list, he's one of two on this list that really, like, uh, draft spots going to determine how I feel about them when it comes to rookie draft time. Him and, uh, and, uh, in all honesty, uh, Stanley, who I am a big fan of, as, as you mentioned earlier, uh, their landing spots could be huge for me on where I eventually end up ranking them, uh, after everything is said and done. Uh, so for Fromm, He's not a bad quarterback at all, so I don't want people to think because I have him rated this low that I think he's bad. He is a very good quarterback. He is good at everything. 6'2", 220, 60.5% completion percentage last year, 22 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. He's extremely accurate all over the field. Uh, good mechanics. He's, he's probably got one of the smoothest throwing motions in this class. He's just very... Him and Joe Burrow, when you watch them throw the ball, you can tell they clearly focus on their mechanics and, and practice it. They're, they're two of the best throwers in this class. Uh, and he's very smart as well. Very good with making adjustments, moving the line around. Very smart pre and post snap in uh, in the pocket. You can tell at times he he can read the defense and knows exactly where he's going. Again, I'm going to compare that to, to Joe Burrow. We've seen Joe Burrow all year, uh, you know, just destroy defenses because he knows exactly where he's going with the ball because he knows where the weakness is. And if you watch Georgia's game, Jake Fromm does the same thing. And that's not just play calling. That That's something that comes in on the quarterback, in my opinion. Uh, so he does a very good job of that. My fear for him is that he does not make the—he he seems afraid to make the big play, and he doesn't make the big play that often. He doesn't have a lot of velocity on his ball. When he throws it deep, it, it almost kind of looks like those old— uh, Peyton Manning duck balls that just kind of flutter up in the air and are up there all day long. Uh, my comparison for him is almost like an Andy Dalton type. And, and people are going to think that's a bad uh, uh, a bad person to compare it to because of the year he had this year. But if you really go back and look at Andy Dalton's stats, he's been a very good and I would say above average quarterback in the NFL for most of his career. And that's what I think Fromm's going to be. It, regardless of where he lands, I think he's going to be an above average quarterback for his entire career. He's not a guy that thinks going to light it up for the fantasy uh, side of things, which is what I'm focusing on. I, I know you are too, but that's but I do think that he's he's got that safe floor, if that makes sense. I don't think he's going to give you those high ceiling games at Burrow and Love and Herbert will, in my opinion. But he's not going to kill you every single week. Who do you have at seven? Oh, I'm sorry. We already talked about at your seven. At your six. My six. Uh, my six is uh, uh, Love, Jordan Love. And, and again, it's another guy I got to do more homework on. Um, we... He he was athletic. Yeah, I just edited an article uh, about Jordan Love, and as as I was looking at it, it was interesting. the The point the author was trying to make was, "Hey, Jordan Love is a lot more athletic than it looks like, based on his college stats. He had this much rushing when he was in high school, and they just didn't use him like that when he got to college." And, and I get some of that, but. It's one of those situations where, you know, love, he's not super accurate. He, he struggles a little bit, I think, with the accuracy. Um, and, and he didn't play a lot of high-level competition at Utah State. Uh, and he just didn't really put things together the way I had hoped. This whole section for me, probably from five to eight, is, is probably going to move around. Maybe five to seven. Uh, I, I could see any one of them overtaking McDonald, who I have at five. But I also could see um, my top five really solidifying. So it's it's 
I, I, I've got to continue to do my homework, mm-hmm. watch some more film on love and, and uh, get to the point where I'm, I'm really comfortable. I'm very comfortable with my top four in this class. Uh, after that, uh, I feel like there's a lot of moving parts. I got you. Yeah, I think you're going to really fall in love with love <laughs> uh, once you watch more tape on him. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, since you already mentioned you got McDonald at five, go ahead and give me the breakdown on McDonald. Uh, I mean, I like him, but I, I could not put him in my top 11. So tell me what you're seeing out of him. As, as you mentioned earlier, you've been watching tape on him before we started recording. What is it What is it that you like about his game so far that you've seen? Uh, so with McDonald, and, and again, it's uh, I, I'm early on in my film watching. Uh, I like that he's fairly accurate. Uh, he's He's very mobile. He looked real good outside the pocket. Um, and, and that's nice, uh, in an NFL, he, he made some really nice throws on the run. Uh, I don't have a gra- a, a full grasp yet of what the Hawaii offense ran. Um, so it looked like my initial read on this game, I was watching the Arizona game and he looked like he was reading the whole field mm-hmm. and, and making throws as he went through his progressions. He made some really nice throws, but he also threw three interceptions that I saw so far, and a couple of them were really, really bad. It, he, he, he has a good package, decent arm. Looking, you know, in this game, uh, I heard, you know, part of what I heard about him was he, that McDonald has a real good arm. And in looking at it, he gets the ball downfield. I was surprised. It felt like his passes didn't have the t- trajectory that I would have liked. He'd get the ball 40 yards down the field, but it seemed like they were very low trajectory. And, and, and so that was something that, uh, you know, it, obviously that means he's got a strong arm if he's throwing, you know, 40-yard ropes. But right. uh, I, I, I want to take a little bit more time with him. I, I, I like the size he brings to the table. It's what uh, – 6'4", 220, and he is mobile. So he could stick at 5 for me. Uh, he could drop down to 7 or 8. It's, it's uh, going to kind of have to work itself out here. All right, so that was uh, McDonald was your five, so I'll give my my uh, six and five really quick. At six, I have Nate Stanley out of Iowa. I mean, if you've been following me on Twitter, you know I've, I've liked this kid all year. Uh, obviously had a, a down year for sure. There's no doubts about that. Uh, there was a couple of games I thought he would come up big in, and he really kind of floundered a little bit, unfortunately, which I think has hurt his draft stock because he was up there in like the top – he wasn't in there with uh, Herbert to uh, – Burrow wasn't even up there really, but Herbert to and from, uh, but he was right below them. I feel like he's kind of dropped down even a little bit more after his play. Uh, but 6'4", 243, uh, 59.4% completion percentage last year, just 16 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Uh, so not great there in that department. Uh, but he's got the size, uh, already plays in a very pro-style offense for anybody who watches Iowa. Uh, much like Fromm, he's making changes at the line. Audibles makes a protection change which I think is really good for a, a quarterback, obviously, to already be doing in college. Very, very smart player. He's very intelligent. You ever watch him to talk about anything or in an interview, he's very smart. Um, and, and good accuracy in the short to intermediate areas. Uh, accuracy weakens when he's on the move. He's not very mobile. Uh, and definitely, as I put, not going to scare defenders with his legs. He, he's a lot... Um, 
like Eason, as you described earlier, he's just not someone who, if he gets outside the pocket, their defenders are pretty much just begging him to run because he's not going anywhere. Uh, so he he's a guy that I, I like, though. He He's almost, um, I would compare to a not as... Uh, dangerous with his feet big ben like i think he's got the big body big arm he can make plays uh in the pocket very very good about staying in the pocket as well which i forgot to mention uh, yeah, he, a lot of, he's built like big ben the quarterback and he moves yeah. like big ben the clock yes exactly there you go that's yeah that's very good very good uh, uh comp there yeah so but I, I i like that uh uh for him uh and then at my uh what am I at here? Five. My five. Uh, I have Eason, and that was what I was saying. I was kind of surprised you had him as low as, as you did. Uh, and again, you were not wrong with a lot of the things that you said. Not mobile. Uh, definitely struggles with pressure, though. Some of that might have been because they, they had a bad offensive line. Uh, one of the other things that I didn't like about him was he seemed to lock onto his reads a lot. Like, he would lock onto his one guy and just kind of not get off of him. And, and that's where a lot of his passes got batted down and everything. Uh, but 6'6", 227, 64.2% complete percentage 23 touchdowns eight interceptions last year when allowed time though when when his when his offensive line gave him time he has the best deep ball you'll see in this class and throws an extremely beautiful ball as well it is a very tight spiral he has a live arm uh, makes good reads for the most part and has a good pocket presence as well. He is not afraid to stand in there and take a hit, probably because he's not going anywhere even if he gets out of the pocket. He is a guy that I think is going to be right there with Hertz as as one of the most controversial prospects in this class. He he's got the NFL size, got the NFL arm, so I do think he's going to be a guy who might get drafted early because uh, NFL. NFL scouts and everything are going to fall in love with him due to the prototypical size and arm stuff. I don't know if he's going to be able to make it in the NFL as a, a really serviceable quarterback, but I like what I've seen out of him. He has some very raw, he has a very raw skill set. So I do have him this high based solely on that because I think if he ends up in the right place and they use him the right way and are able to help develop him, I think he could be really good in the NFL. So who do you have at four? At four, I have the aforementioned uh, Jake Fromm. Uh, I like Fromm a lot. I think he brings a steadiness to the game that uh, some of these other guys below him don't. For me, the spectrum of on Fromm, it, he, he's got a Colt McCoy floor and an Andy Daltonish ceiling. So. If he's got a decent team around him, I think he's going to produce pretty well. He's mm-hmm. going to make good decisions. He's played in an NFL offense, uh, NFL style offense. He can do a lot of the things that you're looking for. He's got the uh, decent arm strength. But if he doesn't get the shot, maybe, you know, there, as somebody who's a Cleveland fan, I felt that Colt McCoy didn't really get a team that was built to, his strengths to up in Cleveland to be uh, able to see what he could really do. But, you know, Colt McCoy is still in the NFL going into his 10th year. And when he's your backup, you don't, you, you don't jump for joy, but you also don't go, all right, well, we might as well just chalk this one up. You, you, you know your team's got to play a little more conservative, but he's not going to, make a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. and from is that's who he is he had almost a four to one touchdown to interception ratio in three years as a starter completed over 63 percent of his passes 
his first two years, he had a, a nine yard per attempt average, but it dropped to 7.4 last year. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what kind of draft capital is invested in him because he isn't that dynamic. He doesn't have the great big big arm. Mm-hmm. He's not super mobile. Uh, he doesn't have a personality that's just way out there. So he's he flies under the radar in all of those categories, but he just gets the job done. Yeah, and that, that's kind of the way I felt about him too, obviously. I, I feel, like I said, he's not a bad quarterback prospect. I do think that he is going to be good for any team that he goes to. I just don't see him him lighting up uh Lighting up the league. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw the the message from Jonathan here in our our dynasty uh, dynasty chat. <laughs> oh man, I got all three of them. Yeah, lucky me. Uh, anyways, uh, I will continue now with the podcast because you guys don't care about this dynasty league at the moment. All right, so let's see here. Well, that it was... is the listener league. They might care a little bit. Yeah, well, I want to break it down once we get it finished. We're, we're, we've got what? I, I, what was that? Are we in the 19th, 20th round, something we're like that? We're in the 21st round. 21st round, so nine more rounds to go. Round, maybe. All right, yeah, 22nd. Yeah, we just started the 22nd, so not eight more rounds to go. We'll definitely break it down. Maybe we'll be done by Monday's show, and we can get Matt Fox to kind of – we'll do a breakdown of this league as well, and we'll we'll discuss that because we're going to start doing that here for, for our listeners throughout the throughout the offseason. So I had uh, I had Jordan Love at four. I really like him. He's – you compared him, I believe, to, to Josh Allen earlier. I, I feel like that is a very close comp because they have a lot of the same issues. Uh, so 6'4", 225, 61.9% completion percentage, 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. The one thing I will say about uh, the, the guy who was writing uh, the article for him for the Dynasty Nerds, a lot of the issues he had this year, in my opinion, were due to the fact that his offensive line was just garbage. On top of that, he lost his three best receivers and his running back uh, the year uh, this year. So he lost pretty much his entire offense. Uh, if you go back and look at what he did his sophomore year, a much better year, 32 touchdowns, just six interceptions, 64% completion percentage, uh, just had a really good year. And I, and I do think that he's going to be a good prospect in the NFL. He he's definitely raw a little bit when it comes to throwing the ball. Um, he can make the tough throws. Throws really good on the run and off balance, and can hurt you with his legs. I agreed with what the what the rider had put that they didn't use him enough in the Utah State offense uh, running the ball. He he can definitely do that, and they didn't use him enough. And he's got a big body. He's not a, not slight of frame at all either. And a guy that you might be afraid is going to get hurt uh, hasn't really had many injuries throughout his college career. Um, doesn't make the tough passes, uh, locks onto his wide receiver one uh, a little bit too much, and does struggle throwing the ball deep. So that's kind of the the Josh Allen comp that I would make there is that he can get it there, but it's not accurate. And and the wide receivers are usually running and trying to find it. I'll be interested to see where he ends up landing. I've seen a lot of mocks that have him going to places like New Orleans, uh, and uh, I saw one with him going to the Patriots. If, if he ends up on one of those teams, I think he should be a – one of the first couple quarterbacks taken off the board because he he has all the intangibles. I think he just needs to go to a good offense and a good coach that is going to help develop it. So I'm all in on love. I think he's going to be one of the the top four guys here in this class. Who do you have at number three? Number three, I have your man crush. Oh, I know. So do Justin I, Herbert. 
I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't put him at no. I did put him at two. Never mind. I I love myself now. I was a little worried here that I didn't put him at two. So go ahead. Tell me why you have him at three. So Herbert has a lot of the a lot of the prototypical things that you're looking for uh, from your quarterback. He's big. He's got a good arm. Decent mobility. You know, his accuracy, he's had a couple really good years, one really bad year. I think he gets a little bit skittish in the pocket sometimes. Um, But to me, I think Burrow beats him out in uh, just being more of an electric player. And Tua, to me, is the best quarterback in this class. So it, it, it's, it isn't that I dislike Herbert. I, I think he's a good quarterback. Uh, I think he, it did him, it served him well to go back for his senior year after completing less than 50% or less than 60% of his passes last year. You know, he's got uh, almost a, a four to one touchdown to interception ratio. But he he needs to still develop his consistency and uh, get out there and 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 continue to grow. I I could see on, honestly if Herbert was to go as the QB one, I, I don't know that I could argue against it other than to just say, well, I like my guy better. You, you, you know, the the three quarterbacks at the top are close enough that you could make a case for any of the three of them yeah. to be the QB1. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I'll, I'll save my, my breakdown for my guy, my best friend, uh, Herbert, here in just a second. I've got two at three, uh, and I do agree with what you just said. All three of these guys, I, I think you could make an argument. I don't think you could be wrong on any of them. I know a lot of people consensus have Joe Burrow at one. A lot of that is because of what he did this year. But if you go back and look at his college career, outside of this past year, it has not been that good. You you could argue, I know uh, I was reading an article the other day where coming into this season, he had a, a draft grade of round five. I mean, he was not thought of by anybody uh, to be this good. I'm, I'm happy that he was able to prove everybody wrong. A phenomenal kid. I can't wait to see what he does in the NFL. Tua is my three. And it's mostly injury here. I am really worried about that. It's not that I don't like Tua. He he obviously has a ton of upside. I don't know if he's the best quarterback in this class, but I I, I could see it. I wouldn't be surprised if in five years we're talking about how Tua's lit in the league up and Burrow has struggled and so has Herbert. Wouldn't surprise me one bit because Tua is phenomenal. Uh, 61218, 71.4% completion percentage, 33 touchdowns and three interceptions. And remember, he did get hurt, obviously and missed, I believe, the last four games of the season. So it's not like this was a full season for him. He already put up those kinds of stats, missing some of the year. Obviously can just drop a dime anywhere on the field. Uh, good pocket presence and can burn you with your his legs as well, which I think the, the these top three guys can do, which it, so can love. Uh, but these three are very smart with the way they run, which is what I like. Um, and great footwork, footwork, quick release. The only weakness I have on him is his durability. And it's not just the hip injury. We've, we've seen all the interviews he's done where he said that he looks like he's going to be back and fully healthy and good to go, and I hope so. 
But it's the ankle injuries as well. He's had had three ankle injuries, two surgeries, one on each ankle uh, throughout his college career. Uh, and that does worry me a little bit because he is a smaller framed quarterback. And I do would not be surprised, especially chances are he's going to end up on a bad team. And if the offensive line isn't in place, if he starts taking a beating, whether he plays this year or next year, does that come into effect? And do we not ever get to see what Tua could be because of his durability issues? I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's able to kind of stay healthy. But but that's my biggest fear uh, with, uh, with, with Tua. So I'll go and give my second because it's Herbert. You were just mentioning him. I, I do. I love Herbert. I've fallen in love with him. He was my guy last year. I thought he should have came out. I still think, I know a lot of people talk about he would have, maybe he wouldn't have been the 1-1 one, one because it, we do know that, uh, my goodness, I can't remember his name. Now, Cliff Kingsbury was, was full in love with, with, uh, Kyler Murray like I am with Justin Herbert. Uh, but Herbert was, was the best QB prospect in a lot of people's eyes last year. Uh, elite arm talent can make any throw with great accuracy, has a ton of velocity on his passes, uh, can hit wide receivers in the exact spot they need it, back, shoulder, fades, anywhere. He, he's very good with his accuracy. He's very smart with the ball, really good at throwing on the run and outside the pocket. Uh, my biggest fear with him is his inconsistency. Uh, we've seen him one week he looks like the best quarterback in the class, and the next week looks like the fifth or sixth best. He he, he does struggle at times with the with inconsistency. Uh, my biggest argument against that, and if you read my draft profile that I did uh, for the Dynasty Nerds, I believe it came out a couple weeks ago on him, was Mario Cristobal and this offense for Oregon. They they were more run heavy, more run and defense. They did not allow him to play to his strengths, and I think that that did cost him a little bit. Uh, so I do think Herbert is phenomenal. 6'6", 237, 66.8 uh, completion percentage, 32 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. I do want to touch on one more thing with him. Uh, a lot of people, uh, when I put that article out, were questioning his durability. I don't think he has a durability issue. Yes, he he broke his leg, had a really bad, uh, I believe, shattered his femur in high school. That was his senior year, and I'm sorry, his junior year in high school. He's played five years since then and not seen any kind of issues with his legs or running. Has never suffered another injury to his leg. Did have a shoulder injury his uh, sophomore year. Uh, in college, uh, and I'm going to say the same thing, played his entire junior year and now senior year with no issues to that shoulder and clearly has shown that he can not only throw the ball, but probably with Jacob Eason as the strongest arm in this class are going to put the most zip on the ball. So not worried about that whatsoever. It was two injuries in a six-year span. To me, that does not speak to durability issues. So go ahead. Um, you already gave your bro- breakdown on Herbert, so give me your breakdown on Tua, who you have it to. I think for me, Tua has he, he has the intangibles that you're looking for. Uh, he came in as a, a true freshman quarterback and, and played great, uh, and he never looked back. It, the injury, the hip injury, is kind of a fluky injury. I, I don't think that's one that you can. Uh, yeah, I agree. Chalk up to, to being injury prone. You know, the ankle injury, I, he's got decent mobility. He's going to be able to move around some. But I think I, I think what Tua brings to the table uh, for me, and the reason I have him at number one, is he has the best package. He's got a good arm. Uh, he's very accurate. He throws with incredible anticipation. Uh, and, and he gets how to play quarterback. He's worked hard. And, and honestly, all these high rank guys do, 
but he he to me he just brings he's he's got the track record uh like herbert does uh he's shown the flash like burrow did he has the the um uh intangibles like hurts does i mean he just he's the the most complete package in this draft i like joe burrow a lot as a, as a former ohio state kid uh, I I I think that's tremendous, but I agree with you. He's only ha- uh, he didn't have uh, the year before in 2018. He didn't have a fantastic year. Yeah. Last year he had a phenomenal year. It, it's you know, is it fool's gold or is it really w- the way it goes here? So we'll we'll have to kind of wait and see when Burrow gets to the NFL. I, I like Tua a lot. I, I've got Tua as my uh, number one quarterback. Yeah, so oh, that's right. You had two as one. I'm sorry. I thought you had a, had Burrow at one. Um, so the one thing I will say about two, two, not a knock on him. This is not a knock on him at all. Uh, but more toward my thing that I mentioned in my article with Herbert as well is that I do think Tua was also able to benefit from a great team around him. Uh, not a knock on him, but he had a great offensive line, three wide receivers that are being talked about as as number one draft picks this year and Devonta Smith next year, uh, <coughs> and a ton of great running backs. We've seen all the guys come out of Alabama. Obviously, haven't done, some of them haven't done much in the NFL, uh, but, but were really good in college, where Justin Herbert has never had that. Uh, his best wide receiver, and I wish I could remember his name now because um, I just had it the other day and I stu- um, stupidly did not write it down. But he was a six-round pick in the NFL, uh, and he didn't even last an entire year. Uh, he got drafted, I believe it was by the Seahawks or the Vikings. And the sixth round didn't last the year, uh, entire year and has not been in the NFL since. That That's the kind of offensive talent that Oregon has put around him. Now, he's had a decent offensive line. Which is you can see when you watch him play and the throws that he makes because he has the time, but he has not had the wide receivers and or running backs around him. Where I do think if he had some of the players that Tua had, people would look at Herbert in a different light because he would be putting up better, even better numbers than he was, and look better with the with the talent around him. So I do I do think that that has somewhat helped Tua. Not to say that Tua doesn't deserve to be up there because as you mentioned, he he probably is the most complete. I, I can't make an argument against that. Like I said, my literally my own only thing against him was his durability issue that's it I, I can't there's nothing in his game you can fault because he's phenomenal uh so for, that wide receiver you were looking for was dylan mitchell there we go seventh round draft pick oh, the even, even better seventh round draft pick i was trying to help him out by giving him a sixth so yeah it's just been yeah woo. anyways uh so no more like, have, yeah oh yeah 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 it's bad and that, that's my whole point like I, it's just that matters in college. And again, I'm not trying to say that if, you know, Herbert, Herbert's still not going to be Tua if he had Jerry Judy and Devonta Smith and Henry Ruggs there and, and a really good offensive line. But I do think he'd be closer. I do think a lot of people would have him closer because he, I think he is very much the consensus three in this class. And, and I've heard a lot of people say that they don't think he's going to be good. And, and that's kind of where I come out and fight for my guy uh, because I do think he's going to be a very good NFL uh, quarterback here. Uh, quarterback in the NFL uh, just because he's not two it does not mean that he's not going to be good uh, so I had Burrow at one though uh, obviously we, we just talked about he had a phenomenal year again 50 touchdowns no I'm sorry 60 touchdowns six interceptions 76.3 percent completion percentage 64216 
Uh, my only one weakness on him is, is just the one year of elite production. Uh, we saw he got beat out by Haskins. That's when he transferred to LSU. A part of that, though, I will have to say, was because of a shoulder injury that kind of helped lead Haskins to the job. So who knows? Maybe he puts up these number as, numbers at Ohio State. We never see Haskins, or we don't see Haskins till this year. Regardless, he transfers out, goes to LSU, and did not have a good year at all, as you mentioned. It, it was not good. And that's why, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of people had him as like a fifth-round grade coming into this year. But then just blow us all away. I don't think that it's a fluke. Uh, from everything I've seen, not just watching LSU every weekend, but going back and looking at stuff, you can tell he is very smart. He makes some of the best anticipation throws that I've seen in this draft class. Like Tua, you know, maybe he's making some anticipation throws, but when Jerry Judy is wide open with the closest defender 15 yards behind him, you're not having to make much of an anticipation throw. You're just having to get it to him, which still not all quarterbacks can do. But Joe Burrow is throwing the ball times before his wide receivers are even out of their breaks, and it's getting to them exactly where it needs to be. Um, I do think that it was a plus that he got to be with Joe Brady this year, who is now obviously the Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator. He came in with an NFL-style offense and an NFL air raid offense that he he got when he was with the Saints and Sean Payton. So I do think that has helped him some and already kind of transitioning to the NFL level. I, I don't think he's got, he doesn't have the best arm. I would say there's multiple players in this class that have a better arm than him, but it's because of his end. I would, his arm I would compare to Drew Brees. Uh, and what I mean by that is Drew Brees, you, you watch, he doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not going to throw the deepest ball, but he puts the ball where it needs to be when the wide receivers get there. And I think that's what Burrow does. Great anticipation, just very intelligent and elite elite pocket presence. You watch him in games when he starts getting rushed, he moves up, moves around, doesn't always scramble away, only scrambles when he needs to, which I think is a sign of a good, smart, mature quarterback, which he is too. He's 24, I believe, 25. He's he, He's been in the league, or in college for a long time, so he's coming in as the oldest quarterback in this class as well. Uh, so I, I'm not worried about his production coming into the next level. I don't think he's going to do, obviously, 60 touchdowns and six interceptions like he did in college, uh, but I do think he has a chance to be a a really really good quarterback and above way above average I'd put him in probably that second tier of quarterbacks uh especially if he uh chances are he's not gonna land on a good team because we all think he's gonna go to Cincinnati but if he can get some weapons around him I, I like his ability uh did you have anything else you wanted to add on bro because I, I forgot that you had him at two and not one Nope, I, I think uh you're spot on on Burrow okay. I, I think he does he probably has a little more risk than Tua and Herbert because yeah. of the one really good year and that that being it. So, you know, that's probably my biggest concern with Burrow. Uh, but I, I do think he's a really good quarterback. Yeah, oh yeah, I agree with you. That's what I said with with him and when when you come down to it, when you're sitting at when my top three, when you can only have one weakness on them, uh, that to me speaks that they're going to be very good. You know, it, with the other guys, I was reading off a couple different things. It's because they're all kind of projects, things they need to work on. The top three for me, I think, could all come in day one and be really good. To uh, obviously uh, health proceeding, we we need to know that he's healthy to, to be able to start week one. All right, so what I wanted to do now was uh, well, let me ask you a question. Yeah, so. Is there anybody that's outside your top 10 that you think might make a meteoric rise into probably not the top three, but, you know, maybe in the five to eight range? Outside the top 10. So 
Probably the only two that I would even think about is obviously Perkins, who I put on there, and then maybe McDonald. Again, I know you're not the only one who has talked very highly of him. I'll, I'll be honest, and we talked about this before. I've not done a lot of work on him, so I know a little bit about him, and I, I didn't feel comfortable putting him in my top ten. Uh, so I could see one of those, but for me, it would really have to be landing spot dependent for that. I, I would have to see someone get drafted in like... Uh, I mean, the Chargers not taking someone with their first pick and then taking McDonald in the second round, that would probably jump him up in toward my top five, especially in a super flex, because clearly they see something in they want something they want in him, assuming they don't sign a free agent, or they just let Tyrod play a couple games and it's a McDonald show. So for me, that it would it would take a, a huge draft capital and probably a really big combine. Uh, for me to, to kind of move somebody up. Do you have anybody, maybe not even outside your top 10, in that lower half that you would move up? Well, probably from outside my top 10, uh, the one guy that I'm uh, going to look real hard at is Kelly Bryant from Missouri. Okay. Former Clemson quarterback. Good size, good arm, good mobility. You know, he, he got beat out by Trevor Lawrence. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not a bad which, thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 a, a situation where, you know, it's, it's like Hurts getting beat out by Tua. Yeah. So, it, you know, he didn't have uh, – I wouldn't say he blew the roof off the doors uh, at Missouri, but he completed 62% of his passes, a 15-6 to 6 interception – or touchdown-to-interception ratio. So he, he has some ability. It'll be interesting to see how he works – through the process leading up to the draft because if he's somebody if he can show hey here are the lessons i learned and you know the, I, I i felt like i was good enough and i needed to be able to play to show that and that's why i transferred and if he can kind of control that narrative you know i could see him coming in as a fifth or sixth round draft pick because he's got some good tools and, and being a upper echelon developmental guy that could potentially move up into a spot uh, after a year or two. So he's kind of the guy I've got my eye on right now. All right, so what I wanted to, to ask you uh, real quick on that, uh, just to give uh, the listeners an idea of, of how you have them tiered. So for me, tier one are, in my opinion, guys that are no doubt going to be uh, NFL starters, and I think really good NFL starters. Uh, so for me, that's Burrow, Herbert, and Tua. My tier two are guys that I think could be very good or at least above average starters in the NFL. That would just be Love and Eason for me. Uh, and then my tier three are guys that I think are going to be just serviceable quarterbacks. They're guys that aren't going to kill you, but they're not going to do much for you. And, and that's Stanley Fromm. And I, I'm going to put Hurts in that category just to kind of go back to what I said earlier about a team building around him. I, I think he has a chance if a team does that. Uh, do you have your guys tiered out at all? Do you have more than those guys in your tiers? No, not right now. I have If, if I'm putting them in tiers, it's two of Burrow and Herbert in tier one. Mm-hmm. From in tier two, and then all you others. It's you know the AYO situation right gotcha. now. All right, fair enough. All right, a couple more questions before we uh, before we get out of here. Uh, let's see here. Who? What's the best? Uh, we'll just stick with the top three then, since we both have the same top three in our tier one. Uh, best landing spot for all three of these guys. So we all think Joe Burrow is going to go to Cincinnati, but if you think another spot would be great for him, go ahead and tell me what you think it is. I mean, I guess it's not un. 
you know, inconceivable that someone could trade up and take Burrow, but I would imagine Cincinnati would have to get like their world blown to do that. Uh, but but your best landing spot for those three guys? I I you know I'm going to stick with Cincinnati for Burrow. I they've got a a strong running back with Joe Mixon, good wide receivers with AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, uh, Auden Auden Tate. Tate. Yeah, I like I like the Auden Tate. You know they're tight end. They they need to. They probably need to add some tight ends. They need to invest in offensive line. You know they're going to get is it Jonah Williams back this year? Yes. uh, From his injury, he missed his whole rookie season. Billy Price hasn't panned out. We'll see if uh, oh who's the Ohio State guard that they got? Uh, I forget off the top of my head. Um, But they they you know Cordy Glenn is going to be back though. He's getting up there. If they can put a good offensive line together that will allow Joe Mixon to be Joe Mixon, then that's going to give that team balance that it hasn't had in quite some time. AJ Green comes back and he's healthy. You know, that's a phenomenal landing spot for any of these quarterbacks. That Rosen is it. Uh, you know, the Chargers. The, the other teams, you know, there's not a lot of teams that have to replace somebody now. So it's Herbert fits the Chargers offense that they have now. But if Anthony Lynn leaves and they bring somebody else in, uh, what is that going to do to uh, the offense that they have there? Uh I want to see Josh Rosen get a legitimate opportunity. Um, I don't think he's going to. I think that uh, he's going to get Josh Rosen again. And uh, Miami is going to spend some uh, high draft capital on a a new quarterback. Pittsburgh needs to bring in a quarterback. Uh, You know, Herbert and Pittsburgh would be good. You know, he he, he fits that offense. And uh, I I definitely think that – Mike Tomlin has a lot more job stability than Anthony Lynn. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, is Ryan Tannehill really the answer in Tennessee? See, I don't know if uh, anybody would. I don't know if a Tennessee would be. It's hard to say that because you got guys like AJ Brown and, and Corey Davis. I don't know who would be a good fit there. They're like when you brought up Pittsburgh. My mind immediately went to like Easton and Stanley. I think they'd be perfect fits for 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 Pittsburgh and the way they run that offense. Uh, I mean, what, what you were saying with the Chargers, I agree. I, I think Herbert or Tua would be great spots there. I honestly think both would be fine in Miami as well. I think with with what Brian Flores did last year, I think they've got good weapons. I hope they bring Preston Williams back after the injury if they draft a running back. You know that offensive line needs some improvement. Um, but, I mean, it's something nope. – it's going to be interesting. One thing I wish is I kind of wish free agency came before the draft uh, because I'd love to be able to kind of see how free agency shakes out with some of these quarterbacks because there's so many teams that could make a move. Like if Tennessee doesn't bring Ryan Tannehill back, you know, what does Tom Brady in New England do? Because do the Patriots draft a quarterback? I mean, there's there's more than enough guys. What You know, Fromm is a guy that a lot of people are saying are going in the second round. What happens to the Patriots take him at the end of the first round? There's a lot of moves that could happen that really could shape or shake up the NFL landscape this season. Uh, I'm pretty sure the uh, 
that free agency does come before the draft, doesn't it? Does it? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking free agency wrong. starts March 10th. Well, I'm an franchise idiot. Franchise players. Wait a second. Let me see. Yeah, I know the franchise uh, tag is. Well, you might be right. I could have. I don't know why I'm thinking it started after, but maybe it does come beforehand. No, I'm pretty sure that it's before uh, March 18th. March 18th. Okay, cool. So it's about a a month beforehand. All right. So we'll get some answers then, which will be. Very good to very good to find out. Like I said, that I think that could shape up a lot of this. Is there's, you know, it, it's hard to say. Like I said, I've got I've got three tiered group guys, and I would not be surprised. From you know, is a guy who you're higher on than me, and there's a lot of other people who are higher on him than I am. Uh, right there in my tier three, so he's a guy who could realistically fall into the second round. As I mentioned, a team could take me a New Orleans Saints as a guy to back up Breeze if maybe he comes back for one more year and they let Teddy go. Where does Teddy go? Because he's a guy who a lot of people think might be good now that he who could get another second chance. So there's there's a lot of questions uh, that could be answered there. Uh, how many quarterbacks do you think get drafted in the first round? Uh, I could see four go in the first round. Yeah, that's kind of what I think, I think too. It, it's quarterback is the position you've got to get your guy and it, you either have a franchise quarterback or you're looking for a franchise quarterback. There's no in between. Yeah. And so true. if you don't have a franchise quarterback, there's only three in this draft. That doesn't mean others might not develop into them. But there's three quote unquote franchise quarterbacks in this draft. And they're gonna go early. Then it's you know, from I, I think people are gonna you know, he he has that he's somewhere he's he's on the Colt McCoy, Andy Dalton, Alex Smith spectrum there. Uh not quite as mobile as, as uh some of those guys, but uh it, it it'll be interesting to watch as it plays out. You know, we've seen you don't have to be a Power Five championship, uh, league championship quarterback to be a franchise quarterback. Yeah, you you can be from North Dakota State. So yeah, uh, you know some of these other guys, they could be the real deal. You know, Jordan Love could turn out to be, you know, out of Utah State. You know, he could be a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I like I said uh, there's I I would. Not bet against uh, the a. I believe it's eight guys that I have in my tier, my top three tiers. I would not bet against any of those guys. I really do think that they could all be, like I said, NFL starters. Now I'm not. I don't know if they. You know, we've seen franchises hold on to lesser quarterbacks, so we'll see. And there's I, off the top of my head, I can't think of actual eight spots that need a quarterback right now. But there's a lot of things that could change. Uh, we've got a little bit of something going on here as well that we're well, going to try. Oh, go ahead. Let, let's go. Let me let me count them down. New England, I don't know that Jared Stidham is is the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miami, Pittsburgh needs one. They need to get one in the chamber. Cincinnati, that's what, four? Yeah. Tennessee, Indianapolis, Jacksonville. We'll see. That's uh, what Oakland, we'll save some Chargers. of this for, for Monday's show because that's what you're, you're you're eating into my Monday content now because that's something okay. I want to talk about because like Indy, you, what you just brought up, Indy, Oakland, 
Those are two very interesting teams right now because we've seen that it does seem like John Gruden is not necessarily in love with Derek Carr. I love Jacoby Brissett coming into the year. Really good first half, really bad second half. So does Indy make a move for quarterback? Not just a rookie. Do they make a move for a, a veteran? Do they bring in a Teddy Bridgewater? Do they bring in a Phillip Rivers? Like, there's so many different ways I could see this going. So that, that was what I was planning on doing on Monday's show. So we'll, the little tease there for you from, from me and Dennis on what's coming on Monday. Uh, speaking of other shows, uh, I sent out a tweet the other day that uh, I'm really excited about. We've already gotten, I think, like eight teams all together. Eight leagues, full leagues that we're going to break down here on the roundtable. We're going to split some up. Some you will have on Thursday shows with me, Matt, and Tony. You will have some on Monday shows with me, Dennis, and Matt. So we're we're going to start working toward that. Try to do at least one, maybe two a week, depending on on the especially here in the next couple weeks where it's going to be kind of slow days for NFL news and everything. We're going to go in, we'll break down your leagues, talk about what teams we like, what teams we don't like, maybe moves your teams could make. Uh, So if you have anything like that, you can hit up me on Twitter. You can hit Dennis up on Twitter at culture underscore coach. Me at Sports Fanatic MB. You can send us DMs with your you with your league info. Uh, you can hit us hit me up at the at the email for the show, fantasy roundtable at yahoo.com. Any way you want to get a hold of us, go ahead and do it. We'd love to break down your teams and leagues. Like I said, we've already got a bunch in the chamber we're working on. I'm working on trying to get everything put together. This is a lot more information I thought it was going to be. Uh, but we're excited about that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, not just for us, but in, in a way to kind of give back to you guys for for listening, downloads, everything. It, it means a lot to us, so kind of a way to possibly help you guys out as well. So. Dennis, I appreciate you taking time out of your Friday night here to jump on and talk about rookie quarterbacks with me. We'll be back on Monday to talk about some of the impending free agency stuff and quarterbacks and moves that we could see coming. Uh, and we'll, we'll focus on a bunch of other stuff next Friday. We're definitely going to, we're going to continue doing the rookie rankings up until the combine. And so just expect that from us, uh, to kind of continue our trend of what we did last year. So we appreciate you guys for listening. Give us a, uh, give us a rate and review if you guys have time. We really appreciate it and help us out. Dennis, thank you so much for jumping on and enjoy your weekend. I look forward to talking to you on Monday. Right on. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle of the 